0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Entertainment is a diversion for the stressors of life especially now with murders, killings, and protests, and a pandemic, and a horrendous number of more deaths, and an uncertain economy, entertainment, particularly comedy, offers a welcome relief. At least to me, it does. Now, I'm no comedian, but I know one, and my guest today is Ace Brown, comedian par excellence. Ace began acting at the old age of eight years old. He has starred in commercials for Cheerios and Nickelodeon, as well as appearing in a host of movies. In 2008, Ace began his career in comedy as a stand-up artist. Since then, he's opened for various acts, including Paul Mooney, Tommy Davidson, Coco Brown, and the great Kevin Hart. Ace has performed at the top comedy clubs in the nation, and notably, his comedy is adaptable for all audiences. Welcome, Ace, and thank you for joining us. I'm fine. I'm fine. So now, Ace, tell me, now usually when kids grow up, they want to be policemen, firemen, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. When you were growing up, you wanted to be a comedian?
1: I didn't know anything about being a comedian until I got older because I thought every comedian that I saw, they were also actors. So I thought that they were just, you know, funny being behind scenes. And I didn't know the essence of comedy. I didn't learn the essence of comedy until about maybe 14. And then once that happened, I knew I was funny, but I never gave it a try. until, of course, you know, 2008, when I went ahead and said, you know what, let me get this a try. And I went to stress factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and they told me about open mics and things of that nature. And you caught the bug. Yes, I had the bug before. The crazy thing was I just didn't know how to get into it. I guess that's what I can say. I didn't know how to get into it.
0: So once you went to the comedy club in New Brunswick, that was it? That was your start?
1: Yeah, once I went to the comedy club, I actually went to go see D.L. Hughley perform, and the host for the evening was actually the owner, Vinny Brand, of the Stress Factory. And he was hosting, and he walked around thanking everyone as we were exiting the building. And I said to him, I said, how can somebody become a comedian? And he said, oh, you just come to an open mic. We have them every Wednesday. You're more than you come. I think I went to the show that Saturday. I was at the open mic that next Wednesday.
0: Right. You know, I saw that DL had to be taken off stage. Do you know how he's
1: doing? He's doing good. They said he passed out. They don't know a lot of comics that I know. I've contacted them. No one. And I, my uncle actually DJs for him when he comes to the tri-state area. So I contacted my uncle to see how he was doing. He said he's doing fine, but no one knows what, you know, what caused him to pass out.
0: Well, we're all pulling for him. Our prayers go up to him. Yeah. To, you know, to get back on his feet and back on stage
1: yes yes so
0: now after you did the new brunswick gig you got your feet wet what was your next step
1: my next step was to be honest getting a place to be able to make my people laugh you know i wanted to make black people laugh and black and brown people laugh that was my whole thing because i was not because my my comedy wasn't well-rounded but that's what made me want to get into comedy i was tired of seeing people of non-color being exposed and this was Pre-Kevin Hart. I mean, Kevin Hart was around, but this was before he got to the, the stature that he is. And the latest person was, you know, your, your kings of comedy around that time. And I was like, well, I want to get up there, but I want to make my parents and my grandparents and my family feel comfortable when sitting in the audience as well. And I know my humor may not be for everyone, or so I thought. So I wanted to be able to perform in front of people that look like me. And a gentleman who has passed on now, he was a comedian. His name was, uh, he went by Big Love. He said, uh, you want to come on out to, and he named a bar that was in the neighborhood. And I was like, uh, I don't drink, but uh, what's going on there? He was like, comedy. And I was like, wait, well, you, you do comedy in there? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, it's what they call the chitlin circuit, but... It's a stage. And I was like, all right, let's see how it goes.
0: Okay, explain to our listeners what the Chitlin Circuit is, because everybody doesn't know.
1: Okay, so the Chitlin Circuit is a term that they deemed back in 19... I want to say it was the 40s or the 50s. Early, yeah. when 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 it came to black comedy. So this was prior to... Well, this was during blackface. So when a lot of comedians were wearing the blackface. And what was happening was, of course, you know, that's when racism, well, not so much racism, but segregation was going on. So black people couldn't go sit.
0: Segregation is racism. So just to be clear about that. Very true. But this is when, you know, blacks and whites couldn't sit side by side.
1: So they would make it where you would have to go to outside or behind the building or in another barn, as they were saying. I read a book on it. So it was these weird places where blacks would go ahead and be able to, to watch the performers perform and basically deem that the Chitlin circuit because you weren't making any money and things of that nature. And that term still is out, but it's not weighed on, but comics, we do call it that we'll say, yeah, you know, this is the Chitlin circuit because that's where it branched off. So when you see comedy, being done in a bar or a lounge, anything outside of a comic club they deemed at the Chitlin
0: circuit. And the focus, the audience was usually local people of color. So it was in local bars and restaurants and, you know, where we were free to, to congregate, hopefully without being terrorized. Exactly. Yeah. From the Chitlin circuit, I know when we met a few years back, during yep. that time, you said you were off to Alaska. How did you get yes. from the Chitlin Circuit to Alaska? Because I'm not aware of any Chitlin Circuit in Alaska.
2: Well,
1: well, the Chitlin Circuit has stepped up a little bit. It ain't so much bad. It's not frowned upon as it is. Just Science or has worked uh, numerous bars and lounges that they would consider the Chitlin Circuit because it's anything that's outside
2: of the, you know, the norm. Of, of comedy. Anything you know. other than the comedy,
0: clubs and, and the comedy the, clubs and the larger venues.
1: Yes. Anything outside of that, they deem it the Chitlin circuit now. That's oh, okay. what they deem it as. Now, of course, it was... Good it to was know. Boring. Thank you so much for that information. Yeah, and, and it was so far worse. Back in the day, back in the day, it was like, oh, you're, you know, you're doing this now. To be honest with, you know, the listening audience, you're making more on the Chitlin circuit on a nightly basis than doing a comedy club a comedy club headliner on a nightly basis if they're not big name if you're just going a regular wednesday night that headliner may make $75 well the chitlin circuit that headliner may make $300
0: now why is there that much of a difference
1: well because the comedy club the way the comedy club looks at it is we're giving you more exposure because you never know Who's going to be sitting in in there? That's true. Exactly. The audience comes, you know, when you're going looking for a comedy club, I mean, or looking for entertainment as far as comedy, you're looking at a comedy club. You're not looking at your local mom and pop bar, you know. So you're more, if you're of some kind of stature, you're going to walk into a comedy club. So yeah, we're paying you $75, but you never know who might be in that audience there. Whereas on the Chitlin circuit, you have a promoter who is basically renting the place out. He's charging maybe 15 dollars $20 per person to come in, and then he's able to give you a little bit more because, of course, if, if he or she packs that place out, then they're making, you know, sometimes 1500 to $2,000. Yeah, okay, got it. So, that's how that happened. But to, to answer your question, as I said, the Chitlin Circus is a little bit more notable now and is not so much frowned upon. So and allow us
0: But it was no, OK. Good. Let me just say something. It was never frowned upon because it was work. People well, were working. It may not have been an a venue, but people were working and it gave up and comers an opportunity to be yes. noticed and to be heard. And to be discovered, really. And that's all we had. We couldn't go into the A venues.
1: No, you couldn't. And the reason why I say frowned upon is because the likes of, like I said, using a Jerry Seinfeld, a lot of people don't know that
2: he's played
1: a bar and lounge and things of that nature. A lot of people don't know those types of things. So back in the day, you would have never heard of, let's just say, not even so much Rodney Dangerfield, but you would have never heard of a lot of the, the white comics saying that, oh, yeah, I was doing the chitlin circuit. That was No, that wasn't happening. Yeah. And Richard Pryor was the only one that was able to crack the mainstream audience. Yeah. Everyone else, your Paul Mooney's, your Moms Mabley. Yep, yep. Fox.
0: Was the Apollo the chicken on the chitlin circuit?
1: Was that considered? You no, know, the, Apollo, the Apollo was right after they started to allow people to break in. So when you know, when you had your Flip Wilson's that's when the Apollo started to come out. Okay. Yeah, so once more black faces was on TV, Apollo was able to go ahead and stand on its own and do things like that. So when I say frowned upon, it's it's not abnormal anymore. Before it was, that's just a black market. Now it's, don't get me wrong, blacks and browns dominate that market. But it's not frowned upon to see, you know, white comics and other ethnicities there. It's not, it's not frowned upon anymore. So, because of that, I was working with a gentleman and he was headlining and I was opening up for him. And he called me one day and said, Hey, we have a show in Alaska. He uh, got booked and he said, Bring your opener. And I was his opener. And I was like,
2: Alaska? And I started to get i you was know, like, Wait. Be Alaska like real? It's cold. And he was like, "Yes, we're going to Anchorage." I've never
1: heard of an Anchorage at that time. I knew nothing about Alaska. I had never been anywhere near Alaska. I didn't even know what it would be like as far as flight and everything. And we went out there. We was out there for two days, and I enjoyed it.
0: Were you well received? Did they get yeah. your comedy? That's great.
1: Ironically, a lot of people don't. This is something else that maybe the listeners don't know. That yeah, there are a lot of people that come from this side of the states and go to Alaska. To work? To live. Oh. There's no taxes in Alaska.
0: Oh. There's a whole so, lot of things there aren't in Alaska.
1: Yeah, no taxes in Alaska. But there's a lot of Hawaiians that live in Alaska. There's a lot of, there's a couple, you know, there was, for the show that it was, it was a mixed audience. There wasn't, it wasn't a dominant, there was not one
2: dominant race in the audience.
0: That is interesting. Yes. I would not have thought that there was a dominant race because of the indigenous people that lived there. But Mm
2: -hmm. still,
0: I'm surprised that I didn't expect that. I didn't really expect that. So you were there for two days.
2: Yes, I did a show for two days.
1: I was stuck for another two days. Why were you stuck? Because
2: coming back, I could not get a flight out my flight. They had so many people
1: that had booked. That it rolled over into my flights. Right. So they have okay. So this is another thing that I love. There's a there's an airline called Air Alaska, and Air Alaska
2: is you know based out of Alaska of course, but they get to this side of the states.
1: Whatever you know, they're flying nonstop. It's like a if you can think of the, the subway basically. They're nonstop flights to go to to. To go to Oregon, to go to Chicago. I saw flights going different places. And you can catch custom every hour on an hour like a bus.
2: And then
1: your main train, which is your United, your Delta, and your American, there's only three flights a day. One from each airline. I, at the time, was flying United. So I only got one opportunity to fly. So if there, if by chance, there was an overflow from the day before. They get first priority for the next day. Oh, I see. So I was stuck. I would have been stuck longer, but on the second day, or what would have been my third day being stuck there, I went ahead and just paid for myself to get on air last and I flew to Portland, Oregon.
0: Well, I guess you have to be flexible. You have to be able to think on your feet, you know, try to make yes. these other other yeah. connections. You don't want to get stuck anywhere, but certainly not in Alaska yeah. at the wrong time, especially yeah. as they say in the Game of Thrones, if winter is coming, <laughs> I'm oh, going to yeah. be caught out there.
1: And I was there in August, so it wasn't that bad. It was cold at night, but I, I didn't see none of the, 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 the flaky white stuff. That's good. So I wasn't worried about that, but a lot of people, because there were a lot of people knowing that winter was coming, they were getting out of there and they were, you know, they were leaving. So I was stuck. And, you know, the second night I said, you know what, let me get about it. It was have going into the third night. It would have been the third night if I was safe. But it was the third day. So I said, I'm not dealing with this. And I went ahead and just was like, how much is it to get to Oregon? And as I said, those flights were open. Yes. That's their way of being able to push their airlines. So sure. they last have race Oh, yeah, we got a flight. It's going to cost
0: you $275. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you always got to keep a credit card that you can use. Exactly. Got to have one. Got to have one. You know, I advocate multiple income streams. You know, that's what I tell people that, well, anybody who will listen, you have to have more than one income stream. Now, okay. tell our listeners about your production company, your radio show, and your podcast. So, my
2: production company is called Eastbound
1: Brown Productions. It's where I I make films, I make show films, feature films, commercials, advertise for different brands. If someone has a clothing line or some sort of brand they're looking for, someone to do a commercial or voiceover, you know, audio commercial, I do that as well. And it all falls under my umbrella of a Productions. And... I have people that work with me as far as editing. I know how to do that as well, but I've had other actors and actresses that are a part of the team. I started that when, in 2012, I want to say, it, it was 2012, when I just got tired of waiting for the phone to read. And I said, you have a lot of ideas, let's get down on the and let me try to purchase my own films and see how it goes. YouTube is a big thing. So let me go ahead and do YouTube. And now you have Netflix and you have your Hulu and you have your Amazon Prime And the TV. ways of being able to uh, get your product out there. So I've been doing that. So that's Baseball Productions in a nutshell. That's um, great.
0: You yes. have a radio
1: show? Yes, my radio show, um I work for a radio station, which is Carson Communications. It's based out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. And I'm on there Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. I have the main slide. My is called The Album Express for h And I've been there, I've been working with that company for about six months, six, seven months. But I've been only in that slot, I've been only in that slot since January. So out of the seven months, I've been, you know, six of them. This is my sixth month with them. So I've been, you know, doing well with that. They, you know, gaining some kind of momentum. And my goal is to become syndicated with that, where that way that show is heard. You know, What's the format? What format? It's urban, adult contemporary. The station itself is urban, but my show is more so urban, adult contemporary. And the demographics, for the most part, I want to say, is 25 and up.
2: That's wonderful. Good yeah. luck with that.
1: Thank you. And then my podcast is shown weekly via Facebook, YouTube, on SoundCloud. It's called Dad's Intervention Podcast. So I do it with uh, a couple of my buddies two other comedians, and it's based off of that three dads that are comedians and just basically talking about everyday struggles, everyday life, adventures, things with the kids, things with our wives, things with the news, you know, hot topics, things that are going on. And it's just getting the perspective of a dad. You know, a lot of people think that, and it's true, but the black father is not in the household as much as we would like the numbers to show, but the ones that are there don't get as much credit as we should. So we created this podcast to be able to get our voices heard for the the dads that may not want to speak up, and even for the moms or the women who want to hear a man's perspective on certain things. So we've touched on when Dwayne Wade's, I guess, daughter, identified or the son identified himself as a girl, how, how did we feel about that? We talked about, you know, kids being bullied. We talked about losing your job as a male. You know, when's a good time to tell your your, your significant other about losing a job? What to do if you're dealing with mental depression? Or what we feel, because none of us are doctors. So what we feel is, you know, what you could do to deal with mental depression. And
2: we talked about even ways to... Keep spice in your relationship or in
1: your marriage. So we do a lot of things. We talk everything from A to Z, we talk
0: about there's no, there's no limits when it comes to dad's intervention. No, it sounds like it's something that is needed. I mean, it's difficult living in the world today, regardless. Yes. But the changes that are going on, it makes it difficult for some people to wrap their heads around. The changes, whatever age you are and whether you're a mother or a father or a loved one, you know, you just don't. And a parent. I mean, just a,
1: my God,
0: you know, yes. I can't imagine what, you know, the challenges that parents have with someone very dear to me. Someone I've known since she was a small child transitioned the other way from female to male. And she mm-hmm. was afraid that someone that mm-hmm. her, her mother's friends would think, you know, some kind of way about, you know, would be embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I told her, you have been in my life all your life, at least most of your life. And when my mother was in the hospital, she and her friends, because she worked at a hospital, that the hospital my mother was in, she and mm-hmm. her, her friends made sure that through the day and the night, my mother, someone was checking on my mother when I wasn't there. I told her it was precious little she could do to make me ever turn my back on her because she allowed me to sleep at night. And she needed to hear that. She's going to do a podcast too. We're just having some logistical problems. She hasn't been able to do it yet. I haven't been able to get her on But those kind of challenges, because it is a challenge when your child comes to you and says, this is who they are, and this is what they want to do, you love them. You want to help them. But, you know, sometimes it's not an easy reaction to have right away. You know, the helping reaction, you have to wrap your heads around it. You know, he's happy. And that's, you know, all of us who love him just want him to be happy.
1: And that's it. That's the main thing that we focus on with the podcast is being able to have those conversations from a male standpoint, because there are a lot of women in media that
2: are openly speaking about this and they're not a lot of guys. So none of us are licensed
1: in anything. So a lot of times it's just coming from and a lot of people think that, you know, or we'll say that, you know, comedians speak the truth because they have to come up with humor and it comes from a dark place or things of that nature. So a lot of it is just us speaking from our hearts and we don't know we're reaching 3 people or 3,000
2: people without looking at the numbers. So I think it's just be as authentic as we can. So we've
1: always decided and said, well what we don't want it to be is where we don't provide some kind of a way for people to feel comfortable just to listen or at least say, I was in that boat. So we've talked about guys sitting there saying that i've lost my significant other i have to raise my kids but my kids parents family the one that passed away doesn't want me in their life or wants to take my kids away because they felt as though i'm an unfit father because me and the mother broke up what should i do get a
0: lawyer yeah and that's you know we've told them hey you know Don't stop doing what you're doing. Do what you
2: got to do. If you have to take legal action, take legal action, but don't pull the kids away from the family. No. You know, let let the kids know. You know, let the family members
1: know if your fear is that I'm pulling the kids away, that's not going to happen. But I'm going to be a father to my children. They're going to live with me. But if you, you know, we can set up something to see them and they can be around. You know, I drop them off to you, but you're not gonna scare me with oh, it wasn't with with the father, and you're not gonna do that. So we've talked about that. Yeah. We've talked about countless of things, and one thing that I always try to tell people is that just because it's called Dad's Intervention, it's not just for dads. It's really for everyone, but it's just speaking. You know, it's just three dads
2: speaking from a male's perspective. It really is difficult
0: being Black and living in this world, but being a Black man and living in this world has got to be frightening. It has got to be frightening. I have a lot of godsons. I have a lot of young Black men that I care about. And I'm tired of crying. (laughs) I just simply, I can't even watch ESPN without
1: crying. The thing is, I'm the only one out of the three that does not have a son. One of the gentlemen has a set of twins, he has a boy and a girl, and then the other one, he has boys and girls. he has a total of seven kids, in fact. And I'm the only one with girls, so when it comes to this whole situation, it's hit them a lot harder, because their thing is, they fear for their sons, they fear for their sons, like, like okay, my son is nine right now, how is it going to be eight years from now, is it going to be worse? You know, is it going to be, are we moving in the right direction? You know, you have kids asking questions like, Daddy, why are they doing this to us? You know, and those are the type of things that we touch on. We have fun. We, we make jokes. but We, it comes from a real place. We don't ever, one thing we don't do, ironically, we're not even going to say ironically, one thing we don't do, which is great. Is we don't change our our, our, our authenticity when it comes to doing a podcast. So if our kids interrupt us, we keep going. Yeah. We don't don't stop.
0: Especially in this environment. Where are the kids supposed to go? They can't go nowhere.
2: Exactly. So there's times where, especially because, like I said, we do it via Skype
1: nowadays. And we just take the audio and put it on the platforms. But you'll see my daughter pop up in a video or you'll see one of their kids pop up in a video and we get a lot of you guys just say, well, that's so
2: genuine of you guys that you don't stop anything. No, no stop.
1: There's only, you know, there's only one time we make sure the kids are not there. And that's if we're talking about relationships and we think that it's going to get a little bit too adult. Right.
0: right. Something they don't need to, to hear. To get, that's yeah, right.
1: Exactly. But other than that, if we're just talking about a hot topic, but we're talking about you know general conversation. No, the kids kids are more welcome to sit there and listen and everything like that. And they the kids know it, each other, so they're they try to have conversations with each
2: other <laughs> while, we, while we're dating. So
0: I'm so. going to send you a link to something I saw on ESPN last week. I think it was either Thursday or Friday. Ryan Clark was talking about a situation that his son was in, in Arizona. And by the time he finished, he was crying and I was crying too. Yeah. It's sad.
1: Yeah, we're at a time now where, as you said, for um, black and brown men, we're scared. You know, we're scared when we see the police, We're, we're, we're nervous. And it's not so much... And I want to make this clear to the listeners that it's not so much a fear of the person. It's not the person, you know, a man being scared of another man or a man being scared
2: of a police woman. It's the fear that I won't make it home. That's it. That's the biggest fear. A lot of people are like, well,
1: you wouldn't have to be afraid if you're not doing anything right. That's like not true. That <laughs>
0: That's not do- true.
1: Exactly. Rihanna
0: Taylor wasn't doing anything.
1: Exactly. And that's why that's why I tell people I said when you no matter if you are in an open carry state or not, when people are pulling you, when the police are pulling you over, you could be very very cooperative. If that officer does not have good intentions, their intent is not your intent. So if their intent is I'm going to make this person's life, long. day a living, you know, living you know what. And guess what? That's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. We don't know that being civilians. That's right. We don't know that. So the fear that goes through the average black male right now is, will this pull over, you know, me pulling over, having this confrontation, will this be the last time I see my children? What? Is it-
0: that's the sad part. It, it, it's, the sad it's, part. it's really distressing. But what I thought was interesting, a couple years ago somebody got killed. I don't remember which situation it was. And men on ESPN, different men, different men of color, were talking about how you should, how a man of color should behave when they're stopped.
2: Mm-hmm. And Ace,
0: each suggestion was different. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you can't have different ways to you do it. Way. Excuse me. One there way. should be one way. And that should be, no, you don't put your hands on the steering wheel. You put your hands up so they can see.
2: 10, I'm like, 10,
1: what? Drop the keys out the car. Wait a minute. Is that what? Is that what Mike does? Is that what John does? Is exactly.
0: Everybody does something different. There's something wrong with that. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> That can't be right. That can't be right.
2: We've had
1: the conversation on our podcast, and we summed it up to say, if you get pulled over, do your best to remain calm. You're not in a position, don't put yourself in a position to fight. Don't put yourself in a position to fight, because we actually had a guest on our show who was involved with police brutality from Bloomfield, a friend of mine, and he won his in court. They pulled him out the car, and they tried to withhold the video that came from the dash cam of the officer's car.
2: <laughs>
1: and they tried to say, oh, he did not thank God he didn't get shot or anything like that. But they tried to say he was resisting arrest, and he did everything he was supposed to do. So the one thing he did not do, though, he didn't
2: squirm. He didn't do anything. So as, as they was trying to make a force, they were damaging him more. So when he
1: got, you know, when he got got his bruises together and he, as he filed the lawsuit on Bloomfield, New Jersey and the police department, he won hands down.
0: Good for him. Unfortunately, that's not the way it turns out many times. That's the one thing. And, And a lot of the times the only common denominator that I have seen, that I
2: have seen, in all of the instances is not just saying, okay, how can we resolve this? Are you taking me to jail? Well, let's go to jail. Yeah, I'll resolve it later.
1: Hey, am I free to go? Well, then let me be free to go. You know, have a good day, officer. And try to, I can get your badge number and fight this leader. That's the only thing. And it's unfortunate that you have to sort of kind of take the high road because you shouldn't be put in that position anyway. But that's the only thing when it comes to all of these black men that have passed away, you know, the one thing
0: that I've seen has been a back and forth. Yeah. Whether it be right or wrong. Well, you know, but you know, they don't want to come across as a wuss. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a certain, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. There's some of that, even silence, even quiet, doesn't always quell that storm especially if that if that officer has had a bad day or his wife is leaving him
2: Very
1: true.
0: you know sure. it's like whoever is
2: and in that's there like the, that's the only thing
1: when we spoke about I said the only thing I can think of that can kind of demean it is I was always told you can't argue by yourself you look like a fool arguing by yourself so the minute you see us going sideways okay where are we What's going on? Because I'm going to fight this later. And granted, hopefully, we don't have a Sandra Bland situation. Hopefully, I mean, that does, like you said, it doesn't
2: always quiet the storm. But hopefully it does. Yeah. You hopefully hope. it does.
1: You, you know, hope. hopefully I can go ahead and go about my business. Or you could take me in and you could realize you were wrong and hope for it. But I, I, I'll be honest with you. One thing that I said. And I was going to bring it up, but I'll I'll leak, I'll leak it to your audience first because I was going to bring it up on my podcast Monday. I think the one way that they can go ahead and review all of this and get all of this in order is by holding everyone in the precinct accountable. So, for instance, if Officer Jones is the one that messed up, well, Captain Williams is getting fired, too.
0: Well, that makes sense to me, unless Captain Jones is in a
1: union. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Every union president,
0: you gotta, you gotta negotiate that if they're yeah. in a union.
1: Yeah, that's what, well, that's what I'm saying. If you have it where whoever the union president is, you would lose your job. The captain will lose their job. The officer will lose their job. The lieutenant on on staff that night is going to lose their job, as well as the sergeant on staff is going to lose their job. Whoever was on on duty that night is gonna lose it. But the union president, regardless of what happened, you out the door. The captain, regardless of what happened, you're out the door. The police chief, regardless of what happened, you're out the door. I just think that if those things are on the on the on the fence, they will be more on top of who gets fired
2: when they get in and who stays. Well let's let's hope that
0: they come up with a solution.
1: That's the only way I can see it happening because I think that when a police chief gets voted in, he or she should have a right to say, all right, well, Officer Brown, I don't want you no more. Officer Smith, I don't want you no more. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I
0: know what you're saying. Each jurisdiction, each state has a different and probably each city has a different. A hierarchy you know it, it takes a lot of work a lot of work but we're running out of time but I want okay. to what advice would you give to an aspiring actor or comedian
2: keep going don't
1: quit don't give up just because you didn't get the job that you wanted to do um, I'm going to speak to the actors real quick and then I'll say for the comedians for the actors keep going just because you didn't get that, that job that you tried out for or because you're not getting anything utilize your social media nowadays TikTok is one of those things that you could do where you're able to mimic, so to speak, previous scene from a movie. Show your skills. Even though it's not your voice, show how you could act in that situation. And utilize social media to the best of your ability. That's what I would say to a, I'll become an up and actor. There's many ways that you can keep yourself working and get found without being in front of that director. As far as a comic, I would definitely say keep writing. Don't get it caught up in the, the sketch game unless that's what you really want to do. But if you want to be a stand up comedian, keep writing, keep living, and just keep being funny. Keep trying to be funny.
0: Ace, that was great. Now, how can our listeners follow you on social media? You can follow me on social media Ace Brown on Facebook.
1: I am Ace Brown on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. Everything is I am Ace Brown. Besides Facebook, Facebook is just Ace Brown. Brown. And that's Ace like you're playing cards. It's not spelled no different. And if you want to see some of my work go on YouTube and type in Ace Brown. And you'll see all of my work.
0: That's great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time. I'm going to send you the link to Ryan Clark's on-air interview. Well, it wasn't even an interview. It it was just describing what happened to his son. Yes,
2: please do.
1: I would love to be able to uh, talk about it on, on my
0: podcast. Yeah. For people who haven't heard it or seen it or heard about it, it's something I don't think he realized how emotional he was going to become. But I tell you, by the time it was over, I was in tears yeah and the funny thing is that's how it normally happens with with media we don't know if
2: a story is really going to hit us until we start telling it and we start to realize how much it impacts us so i can definitely understand that yeah
0: well it was good talking to you again yes i we will try yes. i'm trying to keep in touch
1: please do i'm going to do the same and i'm just hoping that this stuff clear up because i can't wait to get back on
2: stage and make some people laugh
0: well i'm sure you will but please share the link to the podcast because there's gonna be a lot of people out of work,
2: Case. Yes.
0: So yes. the interviews that I've had with people will be helpful to people who are looking for jobs. You know, just in terms of some inspiration, some suggestions mm-hmm. for how they can connect with people that might be able to help them get work, because it's gonna get worse before it gets better. That's why I started doing this, because I I can tell what's coming. Well let's keep in touch here. Okay. Okay. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at B.A. Williams at your employment Matters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.